are having Family Sunday this morning, which is something we do about quarterly throughout our year. Um, if you're new and want to know why all the kids are in here and why we're playing games, it is because we believe that ministry starts at home first and foremost. Rachel Brum, our kids minister, is amazing at her job. She's amazing, but she is a help and a partner in what you do at home. And it's like what Ben did say earlier, that the best example that we can give our children is us following Jesus, us worshiping Jesus, us praying to Jesus, us reading our Bible. That is what is going to resonate with them more than anything that we can do here on a Sunday because they see it from you seven days a week. And this is a big day. We believe in family here, and that's why we do this. So uh, welcome, base campers. We love having you in here. And we know next week you're going to be a lot happier because you don't have to be in here. But praise God that you are today. Um, Base Camp has been doing a series on worship, and so we are jumping into their series today, and we're going to be looking at worship through uh, the lens of communion. And we are going to take a, a just verse-by-verse verse look at the Last Supper according to Mark 14. Um, before we get there, I want to say that communion uh, at Beaches Chapel is one of two sacraments that we practice regularly. We practice uh, water baptism as well. We do communion once a month here at Beaches Chapel, and we believe that communion is a profession of our faith. It is a public proclamation of our, of our heart towards Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We do it out of a heart of gratitude and thankfulness for what Jesus has done and is doing and will do for us. And we also do it because Jesus told us to do it. So we're going to partake in communion this morning. And let's look at Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 12. It says, On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, telling them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, The teacher asks, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. Okay, I, I want to take a moment right here and just look at what's happening and, and, and point out something that I believe there's many of us in here that need to know. We need to know this and be reminded of this. God's timing is perfect. His timing is absolutely perfect, and it is no coincidence, it is no accident that Jesus is about to have his last supper, he's about to have communion on the festival of unleavened bread, the day that was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb. There is all sorts of significance that we're going to get into this morning about this day. And Jesus did not just stumble upon it like, oh, this worked out really well, right? His timing is perfect. And I believe that there's many of us in here that are waiting on the Lord and we're going, God, hello, time's running out. This, I'm, I'm not on schedule because of this. I want to tell you all right now, listen, please, listen very closely. God is not running late on your life. Amen. He is not running late on the things that he has called you to. Because along with knowing that God's timing is perfect, what we also see here is that Jesus is a planner. All right? He is a planner. Any planners in the house? All right? We got some. I am a planner as well. You might not know it based on how things looked up here earlier. All right? 
But I am, my, my wife and I, Jesse and I, we're going to a pastors and spouse conference uh, in a week and a half. And I, she doesn't even know this, but I've already selected the coffee shops that we are going to while we were there. It's in my phone. The address is in there. I know that one is five minutes. I take a left and then a right out of the hotel and we are there. She's going to love it. It's this Parisian place, a lot like La Petite, if you've ever been there, preach. Um, but I love that stuff. I love looking ahead and say, what are we going to do? It's almost more fun than the actual trip. Anyone else like that? A few of us? Listen, Jesus, Jesus is a planner, right? He even tells us, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, right? He already knows. He already knows. And so because he knows the plans for you, he's not running late, y'all. He's not running late. His timing is perfect. And so he plans by finding other disciples of his, other followers of him outside of the 12, because he did have more than 12 who were his disciples. There was just the, the inner 12, right? And he goes to them and he says, hey, on this day, I want you to carry this jar. I want to have this room ready for us because we're going to go. So he already had it all figured out. Well, why didn't he just ask his disciples to do that? Because he also knew that one of his 12 was going to betray him, right? He knows, y'all. He's a planner. He knows what he's doing, and he's never late. This is a big day, the day that is customary for to, sac to sacrifice the Passover lamb. Let's skip down to verse 22. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it. This is my body. So Jesus is sitting around the table. And they've already been having some bread. But now he gets to this moment, this, this last supper, which, by the way, think about the, just the name of this supper, the last supper. This is, this is it for Jesus. It's his goodbye dinner before he's arrested and crucified for us. And he begins this moment by saying, here's this bread. And I'm going to now give thanks to God for it. Right when he's about to be arrested, Jesus gives thanks. It's incredible. And he says, this bread, this bread is, is, is not just bread. This represents my body. This represents me. On this day of, un, this festival of unleavened bread, this day that is customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, I am now telling you all, I am telling you something brand new, that this bread that you used to remember something that was hundreds of years ago, I'm telling you is new. You see, in the Bible, leaven is, is, is a symbolic of, of sin, right? In, in, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus warns, he says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, that bit that gets into the bread and ruins it all, right? And so that's why they have this festival of unleavened bread to represent purity in this in this pure sacrifice and what jesus is saying on this day he's saying what you remembered before and we're going to get into a second what you remember before there's something brand new you're celebrating this once a year uh, once a year but i'm about to give you something that you can celebrate every single day for the rest of your life and it's me i am the bread i am the bread Take it. Take this bread that is me. In John chapter 6, Jesus feeds the 5,000, and then, and then it goes on. And the next day, the crowd is trying to find him, and he says, Look, y'all aren't after me. You're, you, you're hungry again. You want to eat again. 
So they start having this back and forth. And starting in verse 29 of John chapter 6, he tells the people this. He says, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? Remember, he had just fed 5,000 the day before. After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus' response here is great. He says, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who came down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is saying over and over, take me, take me, forget the old celebration. I am here to give you something brand new. That was the old covenant. That was for then, but now here am I. I am the true bread. You thought manna was good? You thought manna was good? Listen, it would go and then it would disappear the next day. You have to go collect it all over again and over again and over again. And it was just there to sustain you for your hunger. But listen, I'm the true bread. I'm here to give you more than, than, than a full appetite. I'm here to give you life. And it's brand new. You want the true bread? Stop thinking about manna and start looking at me. I am the bread of life. I am not the bread of death. I am not the bread of religion. I am not the bread of guilt and shame and condemnation and regret and anxiety and stress and all those things. No, no, no. I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. So take me. Take me. Forget about all these other things and take me. I want to tell you something this morning. Dead people don't sing. And I'm not talking about those that have passed and aren't alive anymore. I'm talking about people here on earth who walk around that look great on the outside but are dead on the inside. They might know how to sing a song, but y'all, they don't know how to sing, okay? <laughs> With an A. When you change the I to an A, that sang, actually, it means worship. People can sing all day long, but they don't know how to sing, right? I've been to, to concerts before and seen huge artists, right? Professional musicians on stage that just rip and their instruments and can sing all day long. And for that hour or so that they're on stage, it's awesome. But then they get off the stage and the lights come up and it's like right back to reality. Jesus is saying, that's manna. That's just a moment. But if you want to sing, if you want to sing, and you want to worship, you eat the bread of life. Because dead people don't sing. That's why when we worship here at Beaches Chapel, it comes alive in here. Why? Because we are alive. Because when we eat that bread, when we take Jesus as our Savior, the old is gone and the new is here. That person is dead and we are alive in Jesus. And so where dead people don't sing, alive people surely do. Can I get an amen, church? Thank you, Jesus. The bread, however, it's offered. Jesus says, take this. Take it. 
He doesn't force it on us. When I was little, you could have put me in the category of picky eater. Right? If it wasn't vanilla wafers, peanut butter and jelly, honey nut Cheerios, or a hamburger with only ketchup, I wasn't eating it. Right? It just wasn't for me. And my parents, as the story goes, I don't remember this, so it might not be true, but I think it is. One of them would hold my mouth open, and the other one would take whatever we were eating in that moment and shove it in my mouth. And then they would close my mouth. And I would... Let me tell the story. And I would look at them. And I would make sure we made eye contact so they could see my soul and I could see theirs. And with that piece of food in my mouth, I would do this. And it was like slow motion coming out of my mouth and you could just see the hurt in them as I rejected what they were trying to force on me. Get that healthy food out of my mouth. And I just want to publicly apologize to Jesse, my wife, for passing that on to all three of our children. Uh, that causes both of us to cry every night at dinner. Uh, it's my fault. I'm sorry. It's my fault. Um, Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't hold our mouth open and force bread into our mouth. Because that's not, it's not a relationship. He says, here, here's my body. Take it. Take it. It's the true bread. It's the bread of life. It's the bread of life. You want to come alive? Take it. But you have to reach out and take it for yourself. I'm not going to force it on you. I want you to want it as much as I want you to want it. And I'm telling you all right now, Jesus is desperate for us to take the bread. He is longing for us to take the bread of life. And maybe you took the bread once, but it's been a while. And you haven't eaten of God's goodness in a while, and you're dead on the inside. Today is your day to take the true bread, to take that true bread of life. Verse 23 of Mark 14. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. This is the new covenant Jesus is talking about. In Hebrews 9, it expounds on this. Uh, starting in verse 18 of Hebrews 9, it says this. That is why even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. For after Moses had read each of God's commandments to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats along with water and sprinkled both the book of God's law and all the people using hyssop branches and scarlet wool. Then he said, this blood confirms the covenant God has made with you. And in the same way, he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle and on everything used for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So as this new covenant has appeared in the form of Jesus and his sacrifice, God is saying, I'm here to forgive you. I'm here to forgive you, and not on just one day a year, not just when there's a festival, not just out of tradition, but I'm giving you the bread of life so that when you come to me and you repent, you are forgiven because the blood 
of Jesus is enough. Hebrews 9, and earlier in verse 13, it says this, Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can do what? Worship the living God. For the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. This is the new covenant. It's not about goats. It's not about heifers. It's about the Son of God, Jesus Christ. His body broken, nailed to a cross, blood coming down for us so that we could have life, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could walk in the confidence that our God proved his love for us by sending his son Jesus to die for us and take on our sin and our penalty because Sin requires death. And God is a just God. And he's not going to bend that rule for anybody. Sin requires a death sacrifice. It requires the blood. And so God being just said, I can't just ignore that because then that would affect my holiness. So instead, I'm going to send Jesus because I am a just God. But because I love you, I'm not going to put that on you. I'm going to put it on him. And I'm going to send him And on the day where the Passover lamb is sacrificed, Jesus is arrested. The unleavened bread, perfect spotless lamb. And where Hebrews 9, it talks about with Moses, him sprinkling this blood on everything. Jesus says, no, no, no. I don't want you to sprinkle it. I want you to drink it. I want it in you. I want it in your veins. I want my blood to be your blood because once you receive me, we're family. So here is my blood. Take it. I'm offering it to you. I'm not sprinkling it on anything. I'm putting it in a cup for you to drink. Will you drink it so that you can never be thirsty again? This is how Jesus proved his love for us. This is how God was a just God. This is how we are adopted into the family of God as sons and daughters of the Most High, co-heirs with Christ, not because of what we did, not because of anything that we do, but by what? Believing in the one who sent him. By taking the bread and taking the cup. That is our God. That is our Jesus. So will you do it? Have you not in a while? God's saying, here's your time. This is your moment. So we're going to have the band come back up. And we are going to take communion together this morning. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Before we take communion, I want to offer up an opportunity for us to receive Jesus, to receive the sacrifice of Jesus in our lives. Whether you're in here in person or watching online, we want to give you that opportunity. 
I just want to, I just want to say for a moment, like, like when you stop, for those of us in here that have received Jesus as our Savior, like, just consider the, the absurdity of us being a part of the body of Christ, knowing who we were before. Like, none of us should be like, oh yeah, I totally get it. <laughs> no, it should blow our minds. Like, me? I'm part of the church, knowing who I was before. That's the goodness of God. Here we are as a body, united together as a family of believers, not because of what we did, all because of what Jesus did for us. Look at us. It's amazing. It's amazing. If you haven't received Jesus, that can be your story as well. If you look back and go, I don't, I don't, I don't believe it. I don't believe where I'm at. And praise God. That's his love. It's his passion for you. It's his patience with you. His timing is perfect. His plan is already laid out. All you have to do is take the bread take the cup. So if we could, let's stand this morning. And I want to lead us in a prayer of salvation. Where we declare Jesus as our Savior. Where we surrender the burden of trying to do things on our own. And we receive the gift of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And we acknowledge that his sacrifice on the cross was enough for our sins. Because it is enough. It's not about what we did. It's not about what we do. Or leaving here and saying, you know, I'm going to do that prayer one day, but first I have to get my life in order. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Ask anyone who's ever tried. It doesn't work. That's not God's intention. His intention is to receive Him. To take the bread take the cup and let him take control of your life and he'll clean you up but it starts at the cross so if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior I just want to encourage you now to speak this prayer out as an affection towards God reminding yourself in him how much you love him say it loudly say it proudly and if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior here is here is the Lord here are we offering offering but it has to come out of your mouth it has to be birthed in your heart for it to be real for you and I pray Jesus that it is because it will change your life forever let's bow our heads and just repeat after me dear Jesus I believe that you are the son of God I believe that you came down to this earth that you lived that you died and that you rose again for me. And right now, Jesus, I take the bread and I take the cup and I ask you into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Make me that new creation. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, we thank you right now, Lord, 
for your sacrifice. That we're not celebrating something that happened thousands of years ago, Lord. We're celebrating the miracle of your son on the cross. It's not about manna. It's about the bread of life. And it's a miracle that we can experience every single day because your mercies are new every morning. You are faithful and just to forgive us. Your blood covers a multitude of sins. And so God, we do remember now your sacrifice. We remember your body that was broken, beaten, spit on, nailed to a cross where you hung there, suffocating, pain in every breath as you pushed up on the nails to get one more gasp, seeing every one of us that entire time, never giving up on us, never getting off the cross, knowing you could, when those hurled insults at you, mocking you, mocking who you were as the son of God, you stayed so that we could have mornings like this, so we could have lives like this, so we could take the bread and have a full life. Thank you, true bread. Thank you, bread of life. Thank you, Jesus, our intercessor, our friend. Thank you, Jesus, for your body that was broken. And so we do take this bread right now in remembrance and in celebration and thankfulness of who you are to us now who you were to us then, and who you will be tomorrow and every day thereafter. Let's take the bread. we thank you for your blood that was shed that is the new covenant it's no longer this annual tradition father it is a relationship covenants speak of relationships that's what this whole thing is about it's not about festivals it's not about dinners it's about a relationship with you so we thank you for your blood that was shed for us for the forgiveness of sins. And Lord, right now we do repent. As we, before we take this blood, God, we repent and say we are sorry in the areas that we've missed the mark. We all know what those are in our lives. We lay them before you. We're not afraid of judgment exposed, Father. We lay our, our sins at your feet knowing you are quick to forgive us and wrap your arms around us and say, I'm with you. I'm with you and I love you. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your blood that washes us new every single day. Let us continue to always remember to walk in repentance. To be quick to ask for forgiveness and not hold those things in give them to you because your blood is enough. Thank you for this new covenant of relationship. 